0: Concludes our podcast. Thank,
1: Thank you, you very much. much for listening. See, you, See next you next week.
0: The truth is that the United States is the number one immigrant receiving country, taking almost 20% of global migrants. I mean, Robert F. Kennedy did say that our attitude towards immigration reflects our fate in the American ideal.
1: Are you referring to the American dream here?
0: Yeah, uh, I do believe it's still relevant, although it's difficult to understand why there's still such an anti-immigration sentiment in the States when the data really doesn't support
1: it. I'll tell you why, buddy. Because assumptions drive conclusions. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we should, we should take a look around us. We deal with immigrants on a daily basis. They're around us. Some of, us, some of them are even in this room. Some of us. I'm, I'm actually one, just, just like you are. They aren't rapists or criminals, in fact you should take another look around and draw your own conclusions whether these people actually fit the stories that are being spread about them. Immigrants are hard-working people who only want to succeed the same way that you and I do, and aren't any lesser of a human like some people would want you to believe. Alright, I, I see your point, it, it makes sense to me.
0: Ok, let's talk about assimilation of foreign born immigrants in the United States. Do we think that there is a valid concern for them assimilating differently than the previous waves? What do you think? Um,
1: honestly, I think it's really hard to measure whether they're assimilating better or less. I believe in what Professor Jacob Wigden from the University of Washington said, which was that while there are reasons to think of contemporary migration from Spanish speaking nations as distinct from earlier waves of immigration, evidence does not support the notion that this wave of migration poses a true threat to the institutions that withstood those earlier waves. Basic indicators of assimilation, from naturalization to English ability, are of anything stronger now than they were a century ago.
0: You know, one thing that definitely sticks out to me is the English ability, being one of the world's leading languages. I remember back in Poland, people would learn Russian in school.
1: Yeah, when, when I was in school, we were actually learning German, and I actually got an A.
0: Wow. Well, if you get an eight German must be pretty easy. Right. <laughs> Nowadays, it's widely accepted to learn English. That must certainly make it easier for a foreign-born immigrant to assimilate to English-speaking countries such as the U.S.
1: That's true. Even your buddy Donald Trump's mother was born in Scotland. America is a land of immigrants. Many children who have been born in America have parents who were originally from different countries. A lot of them came to the Ellis Island, And they all had to be, all they had to do was be healthy, able bodied, and capable of joining the workforce. The reality is, nowadays, it just isn't that simple anymore. The process is lengthy and complicated.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's quite an amount. Besides, there are approximately 9 million immigrants that fit the definition of the US. Of those, many would not qualify for their welfare or other programs because their incomes are simply too high. As a matter of fact, it is known that many immigrants are hesitant to take public benefits, even if they're eligible for them.
1: I remember reading somewhere, I don't remember where, but I remember reading that the second generation immigrants are among the strongest contributions to the U.S. economy, contributing around $1,700 per person per year, while the native-born Americans contribute only $1,300.
0: I suppose the only counterpoint where immigrants can put a strain on state and local government is through public schools, which are offered to all children. But that would be an investment, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're totally right here.
1: Well, because the same children that are put to public schools would later receive their degrees, join the workforce, pay taxes, become consumers, just like the native-born Americans, and become contributors to the economy, giving back all that was given to them and more.
0: That's exactly the case, which further shows how immigrants are able to generate such surplus towards the economy.
1: But what if they end up leaving, though?
0: Well, it is a free country, and if they want to leave, they're free to do so. They're still consumers before they do, the same way they're residents. They purchase products and services which boost the economy. You need to stop watching Fox News! But sure, I could say that they might have a deeper appreciation for being here and the opportunities that they have here as opposed to the people who grew up there.
1: Alright, I, I I think I get what you're saying. It's starting to make sense. But what about the welfare state abuse? What about it? Well the immigrants that are foreign born that come into the United States can just drain the welfare and abuse it. Basically take the taxpayers' money, take my money and, and all the benefits that come through my hard work. For example, through, through Medicaid or, or other benefits.
0: <laughs> You're just a walking talking point. It's funny that you mentioned that. Cato Institute mentioned that low-income non-citizen immigrants are the least likely to receive Medicaid or CHIP. And why is that? Well, major reason for these gaps is strict benefit eligibility barriers for many immigrants. Well, and in layman's, it means that many of them are unable to be eligible for those benefits. So let me get this straight.
1: They're able to come here, but they're not allowed to get any benefits? That's right. Would their work still contribute to those benefits though?
0: That is actually true. Abuse of the welfare state is not actually a thing here. The difficulties of obtain, obtaining an actual welfare make it extremely difficult to abuse it. And even if somehow, some it was possible, the government could create preventative measures. They can create tax quotas that have to be met in order for them to become eligible for those benefits health affairs paper said that in 2009, immigrants made 14.7% of trust fund contributions, but accounted for only 7.9% of its expenditures. That's a net surplus of 13.8 billion. In contrast, US-born people generated a 30.9 billion deficit. Immigrants generated surpluses of 11.1% to 17.2 billion per year between years of 2002 and 2009, resulting in a cumulative surplus of 115.2 billion. Most of the surplus from immigrants was contributed by non-citizens and was a result of the high proportion of working-age taxpayers in this group. Well, oh, give, me, give me a sec.
1: That, that's, wow, that's, that, that's crazy. So the immigrants were actually creating a surplus contribution?
0: All right, everyone's favorite, crime.
1: Uh, Alright, well, as you know, most of the immigrants are bad people and criminals and evil and stuff. You've heard the president.
0: Well, let me tell you the truth. That's fake news.
1: (laughs) But aren't you afraid that more immigrants coming into our country make it more dangerous for everyone? Anytime the topic of immigration comes up, it's inevitable that crime is being brought up with it. You cannot seem to separate one from the other at this point.
0: Well, that is actually a huge misconception that immigrants are a major source of crime. They really aren't. And there's ample evidence that contradicts this notion. All
1: right, I'm, I'm willing to listen. Go on.
0: Research actually shows that they might be even less likely to commit crimes due to of all the difficulty they face coming into this country.
1: So you're telling me that people are worried for no reason? I mean, you keep hearing about this immigrant doing this and this immigrant doing that. It's constantly in the news, on the web. What else am I supposed to think?
0: All I'm saying is that the evidence strongly suggests immigrant crime isn't a real threat to our country. Immigrants actually have a lower criminal incarceration rate and there are lower crime rates in the neighborhoods where they live.
1: Can you you give me more on that, please? Make it so that even a baby would understand?
0: (laughs) You mean so even you would understand? (laughs) Please please just do it. (laughs) All right, all right. In the United States, places with the largest increases in population have been associated with the largest decreases in crime rates in the past decade. According to Federal, Federal Bureau of Investigation in the United States, with the highest violent and property crime rates, neither are the most populous nor house the largest number of immigrants. In sampled U.S. cities, Stowell, Messner, McGiver and Rafalovich found that as the foreign-born immigrant population in the cities went up, the violent crime rate went down. There's a certain correlation there. Many other studies support it. That's,
1: that's, that's, not, what, that's not what the hearsay say, though. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of different things. How, how can that make sense?
0: Well, immigrants come to the United States primarily to make money. Most of them move here in order to change their life for better find opportunities, open businesses and more. The difficulty of coming into the country tears them from crime is just counterproductive to the overall goal of improving their situation. We could even say... You could say.
1: Honestly, I know what happened, but I was truly under the impression that many people would be in trouble regarding employment, and the wages would, would have to go down with so many people coming. Now, it's also important to point out that if we apply those numbers from that time, in the context of today, it would be as if Over 22 million immigrants moved to America in a six-week period, which is very difficult for me to imagine.
0: Yeah, the study showed that the event didn't actually drive down the wages of native workers and didn't cause widespread unemployment. In fact, the immigrants were quickly absorbed into the workplace with negligible effects on other workers.
1: Well, you see, if I didn't see the data, it would be very difficult to believe. But like you said, that's exactly what happened.
0: Well, it related to what George Borges, a Harvard economist, wrote about economic model called immigration surplus. Population growth via immigration increases the demand for goods, which can in the long run lead to a more hiring and higher wages. This can come at a cost to people who are already working as as an inexpensive immigrant labor, can down wages, but economists point to this as a short-term effect and that the overall growth in the economy, driven by population growth, will eventually push the wages up. So the benefits of immigration tend to not only outweigh, but to exceed the costs.
1: It sounds like exactly what happened in South Florida.
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I mean, as you can see, we can talk about your my jobs idea for a long time, but the data simply doesn't support that view.
1: Again, not my idea, (laughs) but all right. So what you're trying to tell me here is that my job is safe?
0: Well, last time we checked, you are an immigrant, too. I have a US passport, by the way. But you're still an immigrant. W- weren't you born in America? Uh, alright, alright, Donald. Let's just move on to the next point. I understand your point. But you see, the US economy is strong enough that it can absorb a very large number of workers. In fact, we have great example of something like that happening in the past.
1: You're referring to the Cuban thing, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm talking about the Mariel boat lift. Well,
1: why don't you tell our listeners more about it in detail?
0: Sure. Mario Boatlift was a massive immigration event of Cubans who traveled from Cuba's Maryland Harbor to the United States in 1980.
1: How massive are we talking about here?
0: It was nearly 100,000 Cuban immigrants that arrived in South Florida. Around 60,000 of them settled in Miami. Now, this is a perfect scenario to test out that my job's theory of yours from earlier.
1: Yeah, uh, It wasn't actually my theory for the record, just an argument I've heard many times before.
0: Sure. Now, a study has, that has been done analyzed the effects that event of unemployment and wages, the result will surprise you. What do you think happened?
1: <laughs> well, honestly, I know what happened, but I was truly under the impression that many people would be in trouble regarding employment and the wages must have gone down dramatically. It's important to it's, uh...
0: Yeah, immigrants are also playing a big role in taking care of the elderly too. Consensus data for 2015 shows that immigrants accounted for 24% of nursing, psychiatric, and home care aides. Alright. A study from bipartisan research organization New American Economy found that immigrants were 15% more likely to work unusual hours than similar US-born workers. Also according to data from the American Community Survey and Bureau of Statistics, they're also more likely to accept dangerous jobs.
1: Dangerous jobs? That That sounds pretty rough, the dangerous jobs at least. People seem to be under the impression that immigrants will simply come in and rob them of their job, though. They took our jobs, like in a skit. I understand a repetitive here, but could you, could you elaborate on that a little bit more?
0: Well, the theft of jobs is a silly concept. Ignoring the obvious language barriers that many immigrants have to deal with, we've automatically embargoed them from high-paying jobs. We also have to look at education. Education? Yeah. The reason why immigrants tend to fill those low-skilled roles is in part because they are on average less educated than native-born Americans.
1: How significant is the difference in education?
0: Well, statistically, it's very significant. For example, on the low end of the spectrum, about 26% have less than a high school degree, compared to only 5% of native-born workers. However, one in three immigrants has a college degree or an advanced degree which tends to be on par with the Americans born here.
1: Alright, alright. So, if I'm understanding you correctly here, there is competition for jobs then, with immigrants threatening the the 5% of native-born workers without a high school degree.
0: In theory, to a very small extent, yes. However, in reality, immigrants are more likely to compete against other immigrants, so the effects on less skilled Native Americans might be smaller than you think. Remember that immigrants have to deal with other issues, such as the language barrier mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, uh, the reason that I'm pressing on this issue is because I want our listeners to be crystal clear about the facts here.
0: I understand. One more interesting fact is that according to the data, immigrants are actually twice as likely to start businesses as opposed to citizens born in the U.S. The reasons for that are companies prefer to hire American-sounding names than ethnic-sounding names, and this might incentivize foreign-born immigrants to create their own businesses.
1: I see. Well, what I have a hard time understanding, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one, is how does this actually work with the laws of supply and demand? I mean, I can be convinced that some immigration is beneficial, some is good, for the reasons that you mentioned. But what is the limit? How much is too much? Would you agree that at some point, with too much immigration, the jobs would either dry up or the wages would just keep going lower and lower with the abundance of labor?
0: Can you elaborate on that? Sure. Immigrants create businesses, purchase homes, and pay taxes. They're also purchasing services and products. This as a whole enhances the economic growth. One thing that people seem to be missing is that immigrants are not just workers. There are also consumers that live just like each and every one of us. They too have needs to fulfill basic laws of supply and demand, buddy. Hmm. The benefits from immigrants also come in a diverse set of skills.
1: A diverse set of skills?
0: Yes, some of them are actually extremely skilled and qualified while others could be qualified as low-skilled labor. They not only offer their skills, but also their perspective, which is beneficial to employers. Another valuable point to consider is that immigrants fill jobs that American people don't want to do, such as work on farm fields. You could say that immigrant labor isn't necessarily competing with American labor, but in many cases actually complements it.
1: Uh, That's that's a little difficult for me to digest. Could you elaborate on that just a little bit, please?
0: Sure. Take a... Take a job at a farm, for example, and focus on the so-called low-skilled labor immigrants. On the farm, you would have an owner, a manager, people who sell the products, and individuals who tend to the farm as field hands. In the case of low-skilled immigrants, they would be the ones who would take the job due to Americans not necessarily wanting to work.
1: Uh, Yeah, I've heard the so-called jobs that Americans don't want to take argument, and I'm just not fully on board in regards to your point. Can you give me something more?
0: how about immigrants working jobs that actually give Americans an opportunity to join the labor force that they otherwise wouldn't what do you mean look immigrants who work as a childcare providers actually give Americans specifically women more opportunity to join the labor force that's an interesting <laughs> that's funny
1: yeah it's a quick clip from south park back's episode back from 2004 well i agree that it is funny the serious part is that many people actually believe that sentiment The most common idea is that immigrants will take American jobs, lower the wages and completely wreck the economy doing so.
0: Well, the data actually tells a different story. An overwhelming majority of economists believe that immigration is a good thing for the national economy. Big increases in both GDP and productivity. Did
1: you know that according to the US Bureau of Labor Statistics, immigrants make up roughly 17% of the US labor force? That's correct. Okay, but wouldn't that mean that the 17% of the jobs the immigrants are currently working are being taken away from the Americans?
0: No, that's not how it works. You're thinking of what economists call the lump of labor fallacy.
1: Uh, l- l- lump what?
0: I know you're not an economics major like me, so okay. let me break it down yeah. for you. Go on. Lump of labor fallacy is an idea that there are only a certain finite number of jobs to go around and that if an immigrant to the United States take a, takes a job, then an American must automatically lose out on that job. The truth is that immigrants increase, expand employment opportunities. Therefore, if an immigrant actually takes a job from an American worker directly, they must create a job for American workers. That makes sense. I think what you're trying to say is that one conclusion that we can draw from our current immigration policy that, is that it's not adequate for our needs.
1: Oh, absolutely. With the constant anti-immigration bombardment coming from the current ruling party, it's safe to say that no good changes are coming for at least one more year.
0: Yeah, you're probably right about that. But without further ado, let's talk about the myths of immigration. Where would you like to start?
1: I think we should start with the most common one.
0: They took our jobs! It's one of many statements that you've undoubtedly been exposed to over the past few years. If you take something like that for face value, as many people do, it's no wonder why you would be skeptical about immigration.
1: Throughout this podcast, we aim to cover the most common misconceptions about immigration that I'm certain you've heard before, such as the old, they're stealing our jobs, they're lowering our wages, crime, terrorist rhetorics, lack of assimilation, and various economic
0: inequalities. Our aim is to take you on an educational journey and show you that immigration is actually a good thing for our country and to dispel all the myths and lies being spread around
1: it's important to point out that our current immigration law is very complicated it works through a complex array of visas and quotas for each corresponding country even after studying it for an extended amount of time i don't feel fully comfortable talking about it ignoring the fact that analyzing would be beyond the scope of this podcast I would not even be able to explain all the intricacies in a given time frame. There are many misconceptions about immigration in general. With the constant anti-immigrant rhetoric coming from the current president, it's difficult to distinguish the truth from propaganda. For example, take a second to listen to this. Welcome to a special episode of B-Plus Student Podcast. Hello, it's Radoslav Kujaski
0: And Hubert Kavak.
1: We're coming to you live from a library in DePaul University. And today, we have a real treat for you. We'll discuss a very important idea that is increasingly gaining
0: traction in our country. Immigration. That's right, Hubert. If that doesn't interest you, well, it should. It's the second most important topic to discuss in our country. All right, take number 63.
1: Last week, we talked about all the valid reasons why students skip class and why teachers should be more lenient towards them.
0: This week, however, we bring a much more important topic.
1: They took our job, they took our job. they took your job. job When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best, they're not sending you They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists.